Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 377, air date October 18th, 2018. All right, everyone, starting a little bit early here, actually. Some people thought it was scheduled for 1130. I'm not sure exactly why. We have VA Shiva actually aboard here. He's running against Elizabeth Warren, uh, as well as, uh, I believe his name is Deal, the Republican. We call him Dirty Deal, the Dirty dirty Deal. deal. He's been, essentially, as his Ben Garrison cartoon shows, he's riding on the same horse as Elizabeth Warren. He's her controlled opposition. Yeah, no surprise there because it's a Massachusetts Republican. By the way, links in the description also to VA Shiva's uh, official election website and to his Twitter handle so you can sort of keep up to date with things. Uh, but how's your campaign going? So let's just get sort of the, uh, the inside scoop on how well, things are going for you. Well, you can see the strength of this campaign by the fact that the Boston Globe and Elizabeth Warren are so afraid. Four weeks ago, they released a 20-page report trying to say Elizabeth Warren never got into Harvard because of her Native American status. And embedded in that report is all the facts that Elizabeth Warren did get into Harvard because of her Native American status. And then obviously, several days ago, Elizabeth Warren finally went and did her DNA test, but she didn't use them. She went and found a, a guy who would sprinkle in Colombian, Peruvian, and other DNA. And even after all of that, she got up uh, to a point where it shows that she's a bigger fake Indian stick. So it's all happening. And it's unfortunate the left and right mainstream media does not want to give us credit because fundamentally, sticks, what we're doing is we're really representing a larger diversity of thought, what we call independent thinking. And they want to maintain the Democrat Republican oligarchy. So even Fox News or even the Boston Globe is afraid to mention the fact that that uh, only the real Indian can defeat the fake Indian campaign is the, is the reason that all of this has taken place. So our campaign is purely grassroots. You know, we probably spent cash wise less than 150K and we've caused so much havoc for both parties. So I would say it's going enormously well, you know, just from the fact that we've caused so much damage to Elizabeth Warren and from the fact that she is in sheer desperation now and it has nothing to do with 2020. We're talking about her winning you know, in Massachusetts, we've significantly threatened her entire, you know, future political career. And also, uh, several people have actually pointed this out. I thought this was funny because I think around the last time that we spoke, people were said there were a lot of people who were like, well, you know, Shiva's not going to be measurable within the race. And now they're talking about you being a Ross Perot. <laughs> so you can see how things well, have actually gone. But yes, but how would you respond to that? Well, well, well here's the thing. About what, Elizabeth Warren winning because you happen to exist. Well, he, here's the thing. What people don't understand, and everyone, particularly your audience, I think will appreciate this, is that we as the public, you know, when we look at China, we say they have one party. When we look at Russia, we, they say we have one party. Oh, yeah, those are fascist systems. But we don't put a mirror to ourselves and we realize that there's really one choice you are allowed, and that's called the two-party system. And the entire way that pro- that electoral process is conducted is you got to go raise millions of dollars, then you go give it to your buddies in TV and radio, and then they make you. And then the pollsters come in who have never were elected by any of us, and then they constrain who gets on. And what we've done is we've said F you to that, and we've said let's follow, let's buy the people for the people. So from beginning to end, Sticks, the way we've run our campaign has followed that very, very authentic process. So for example, to get on the, we dumped the Republican party in November because we realized a scam that they have, this guy Dirty Deal, who's essentially, you know, Warren's, you know, whatever you want to call it, essentially her, you know, her her organ, 
uh, to basically her punching bag, maybe her punching bag. But you know, here's a guy who couldn't win a state senate seat. Photoshopped a picture with Trump. Three hands in the picture. We had forensics analysis done. Keep saying he's a Trump chairman when he is not, and we keep telling the media, and they're in on it. There was one Trump chairman. So you have this total collusion, putting a dummy to be warned so he could be lieutenant governor. That's the deal, deal has, dirty deal has made with Charlie Baker. And none of the media wants to bring it up. We give them the data. And by the way, people can go, go look at the, this at repjeffdeal.com to know the facts. Anyway, so you have that phenomenon taking place. And here we come, when I dumped the Republican party, people said, there's no way you'll get on the ballot. Why? You have to get 10,000 certified signature sticks. And it's, it's, a, it's a Herculean task, 351 towns in Massachusetts. You have to collect the signature at a shopping mall, for example. Then you have to take it to the local town to certify it. Then you got to bring it back. Then you got to take it over to the Secretary of State. You need a serious infrastructure. Well, we pulled that off. Not only did we get 10,000 signatures, we got 20,000. And on top of that sticks, we didn't pay for one of them. All the political parties typically have you know, favors that, that are owed, or they typically pay five to eight bucks. That's the racket. We didn't pay for one signature, pure, you know, hard work, the good old fashioned, you know, American way. So, so you then will we officially, got a, so you will officially be on the ballot? We're officially on the ballot. In fact, we were the first on the ballot. No news media reported on it. So here's a real Indian, independent, independent of thought, we got on the ballot. And by the way, nearly 60% of Massachusetts citizens are independents. There's only 40 to 44%, which are Democrat or Republican, 30, uh, 34% on a good day, Democrats around 10% Republicans. So think about it. We actually represent the broad base majority of Massachusetts citizens. So we get on the ballot. Well, the media essentially flips out and stops covering us. So we go on the ground, right? So what have we been doing? We have these big four by eight, only the real Indian can defeat the fake Indian signs, the same one that the city of Cambridge said, I should take off my bus, we sued and we won. We have our cards. We've just been doing, I hate to say this, Viet Cong style, on the ground, on the ground, believing in people. That's why these guys are so scared because we've perturbed their order. It's not top down. It's not paying off your buddies that you know on radio or TV, it's bottoms up. So we're running this campaign in such a powerful way that we're not at 1%, we're not at 2%, we're not at 3%. The latest poll, the fake poll, by the way, had us at 9%. We had an MIT professor look at it and I looked at it and we're actually there, they've been making a divisional error and I can talk about this for years and this is why they don't want nerds involved in politics. This is no different than saying the sun revolves around the earth. They've been making a fundamental error because they've always used the denominator sticks that has always been based on a typical incumbent or a major party candidate running. They never take into account the visibility of a new candidate. And we've fundamentally shown that, and we're submitting that to the judge, by the way. So what's essentially happened is, if you correct for their fundamental mathematical error, I'm at 16% among very likely voters, 41% to Elizabeth Warren's 30%, no kidding, we can show you the math, among the somewhat likely, which means dark matter, right? The people who typically don't come out. And I can tell you that's why they're scared. And that's why they didn't predict Trump because they, they always skew the polls to the existing lemmings that come out in a midterm or a presidential. They don't take into account the dark matter. So that's yeah, why because, we, because they typically only poll likely voters. They poll likely voters, 
And then when they do that poll, they base it on a factor called visibility. So for example, the simple way I can explain this, I, I just did it on Scott Adams, a samosa hot a hamburger example, okay? Um, let's say I have a pool of 100 people I'm gonna poll to predict who likes a samosa, who likes a hamburger. By the way, the samosa is a little triangle space you know, um, Indian treat, which has potatoes in it. Uh, okay? Yeah, I've had them, they're actually very good. Yeah, they're very good. So if I got in a hundred people and I told them, hey, look, um, uh, do, you, do you like a samosa versus a hamburger? Now here's the interesting fact or, or the assumption we wanna go into. Let's say among those hundred people, only 50 people have ever tasted a samosa, okay? But pretty much all of them, if it was in, in the United States, everyone's probably had a hamburger, all right? Now you bring in a poll of those 100 people and you ask them, how many of you between a samosa and a hamburger like it, right? It's called a head-to-head -head ballot test. And let's say 25 people say, you know, I prefer a samosa to a hamburger and 50 people say that they prefer the hamburger, okay? So again, 100 people, 50 people have tasted a samosa, but all 100 have had a hamburger. You do a head-to-head -head test, 25 people say they like the samosa, 50 people say they like the hamburger. What is the head-to-head -head favorability? That's the question. This is how they calculate polls. What do you think it is? Yeah, so, because it's, yeah, exactly. Right, so in the case of, so in the case of the hamburger, what they, do, what, what they do is they say 25 people like the samosa divided by 100, samosa's favorability is 25%, the hamburger's favorability is 50 over 100, 50%, okay? And let's say they put the cutoff at 30% shit, the samosa can't be involved in it, right? In the taste test that they're gonna have on the samosa and hamburger, that's what the debate is, it's a taste test, okay? But if you really do the math, this is why their math is so, can I use the word FU in this program? Oh yeah, that's fine. This is why the, this is why the entire math is so fucked up because if only 50 people have ever tasted the samosa among 100, you can't be doing 25 over 100 because the other 50 are indeterminate. It should be 25 over 50. It's the people who've ever tasted it. So that's, and that's 50%. And they implement that to keep independents and third parties out. Right, because it's a visibility. They, so really, they did it to Johnson? They did it to Gary Johnson? They, they've been doing it to all of them. The problem is no one has figured out the math, why, what they're doing. And it, I mean, it's a 50 page analysis we've done conclusively and it shows they're dividing but see the 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 problem with the independents is they've been lamenting but they never had the analysis so it's been a day and night so it should be 25 over 50 that's 50 percent and in fact the hamburger is 50 over 100. got it so you'd so have to separately determine the name recognition yeah right so it's 50 percent to 50 percent but it even says something more interesting the samosa has another 50 percent of growth if all people heard about it so how should you actually do a poll? Well, you should have a taste test. Before people come in, you should say, I'm gonna give you a samosa and a hamburger, then you do it. Well, isn't that what a debate is? A debate is a taste test. Let's hear all three. So what they do is they do this racket of rigging the polls, literally wrong denominator. So you're never gonna achieve that. And then they use that not to let you do the taste test. It's yeah. unbelievable. And, and, then, and then you look at the and you look at the caliber of some of these people within the main parties. It's like we desperately need more third party and independent candidates. Well, you look at this guy, especially, especially with regards to Elizabeth Warren. When you look at this guy, dirtbag deal. Okay, he doesn't even do a proper Photoshop job. There's three hands. He doesn't know how to use Photoshop. His 
campaign manager is a Saudi lobbyist who screwed over our veterans, misled them to go against a bill which would allow 9-11 families to sue Saudi Arabia in US courts. That's what this guy's about. It lies that he's a Trump chair. And we tell this to the Boston Globe, tell it, we give them data and they don't publish it. It's Warren, it's a fake, the question is why is the fake news media and the fake Indian promoting a fake Trumper? And that's because they do not want us to win. And the devastation we've caused them, it's not against Warren, it's against both political parties. That's why even freaking Tucker Carlson, you know, doesn't even give us credit. He puts, you know, racist Howie Carr on there, who, you know, <laughs> does this race thing. So, so fucked up, man. But the bottom line is we're having such impact. That's why Warren is scrambling. That's what's fundamentally going on. It's really exciting because we are, so we have a rally against racism. And I want to talk a little bit about race here because what's happened in this country is the left-wing Democrats own they've constrained racism to a very finite set of things when you're not racist, which means don't use the N-word, right? Don't use a Confederate flag, uh, change the name of buildings. If you do that, you're not racist. And then the Republicans don't want to discuss racism. And together, they control the fact we don't really talk about racism. Well, here you're looking at an immigrant who's gone through the immigrant journey and is a person of color. And I want to have a deeper discussion. I want to go really deep to the 100 yard line. Let's have a discussion of race. And what racism, we're a human race, but what they're doing is not allowing diversity of ideas. Because if you look at the new definitions of race, it's, it's sociological concepts of race. And those race are you and I could be the same race sticks because we have a certain epigenetic of ideas we start thinking about, right? And well, other the, liberals, people, the liberals don't mind you discussing race, you just have to say what they want you to say. Right, Otherwise, you're a their, bad minority. <laughs> yeah, within their constrained definition yeah. of race. And racism, in my view, is, is essentially constraining the diversity of ideas. So on the debate stage, the darkie, and when I mean that, not only color-wise, but I'm talking about dark matter, all that stuff that never gets put on TV. Hey, what about Monsanto? What about the Postal Service as a framework for free speech? What about lowering the cost of healthcare by eliminating GPOs? All these fundamental discussions, the dark stuff, never gets sees the light of day. That's racism. And we're having a rally against racism. WBZ studio on October 19th is the first debate we've been excluded from. We hundreds, thousands of people should show up there because this is not about me anymore. It's about you being denied choice. It's fascism. You know, look at these two morons, total freaking morons. One woman lied to get into Harvard right? She wrote two fake medical papers and this other guy fakes a Photoshop picture with Trump. That's not what we need, man. I think Americans she deserve a lot better. Fake recipes, yeah. Fake, fake recipes, you know, fake handshakes and both of them, they both work off each other and they've lowered the standard sticks to such a level that we think this is what we deserve. And I, I, my view is that, you know, people deserve a lot better. People really deserve choice. And that's what this election's about. So yeah, it's a lot it's, of fun. It's going to be interesting to see where that, where that goes. You also, you mentioned briefly, there's something I wanted to uh, touch on. Uh, are you talking about the proposal to use like the postal service to give basically like a public email option and things of that nature? Yeah, so I've I talked about the message. Uh, yes, I, yeah, it, it's, it may sound initially when people hear it as a weird thing, the postal service, it's a government. Um, I wrote about this in my book called Future of Email. I, I met with the Postal Service when I was in my late 20s, early 30s in 1994, uh, 1997. 
So let me give you the, the, the bottom line of this. The United States Postal Service is one of the most important institutions to guarantee our First Amendment. It was set up at a time when the only way we used to communicate was through paper, right? We, had, we used to do the postal letter. And in those days, the founders of this country wanted to make sure that you and I could have a communication, political communication, and no one would interfere with that. True free speech, free communication. If you interfered with that, the Postal Service also had its own police force, 20 year sentence in prison, right? So that's what the Postal Service was to really give teeth to the First Amendment. Fast forward to 1997, as I've shared with people before, 1970 to 19, you know, I created the first email system in 78. Email was used as an inner office system for years up until 93. But in 93 is when the World Wide Web came, which was a front end to the internet. And, and then new programs came, web-based programs like Hotmail, right, Yahoo, Gmail, all these other programs, which made email a consumer application. Well, in 1997, the reason that's an important date is that's a cross point when email volume, if you look at, that's a cross point when email volume overtook postal mail volume. I was running a different email company to analyze email called Echo Mail. We had large customers like the Senate and I went to the Postal Service and I said, look, you guys need to offer a public email service because there's a serious threat here to American democracy. Because what we right now have is four or five major private companies essentially own people's email because most people gave away their freedom for that free email sticks, right? Because they didn't read those privacy statements, which basically said, we own your email. And yeah. the Postal Service's reaction was, well, we're not in that email business, son. You know, we're a 500,000 person organization. We're bigger than Walmart. Do you know who we are? We're not getting into that email business. Boom. Fast forward 2011. Postal Service headlines. You can, people should go going out of business, bankruptcy. So... <laughs> I was interviewed by Fast Company and I said, these guys are a bunch of morons. The people who run it was a guy called Patrick Donahoe. These people are not in the same innovative spirit as Franklin. They have no idea what the Postal Service is. And I have solutions that could have generated them billions of dollars. Time Magazine then reported on it. The Inspector General of the Postal Service contacted me, Dave Williams, and he said, Shiva, what are you talking about? I said, look, the Postal Service is a bunch of idiots. They could be making so much money off digital services. He commissioned me sticks to write two reports, paid me, you know, six figures. And one report, I showed them how they could make a ton of money with email services. And the second was through social media services, what I call the last mile. That was a $270 billion market opportunity. By the way, you can find these reports on our website, integrativesystems.org. It's my nonprofit research foundation. Anyway, we submitted those reports and crickets after that. So what I'm trying to say is, if you think about the Postal Service as a framework, each, it, it, you see, we're, we can't regulate Facebook. We're not going to be able to regulate Twitter. This is their private corporations. But the Postal Service is embedded into the Constitution, which gives us a framework to have free and open communication. So here's the, here's the solution. The Postal Service, let's say we pay them 50 bucks a year. Where when you, so a la the Postal Service, we get our own email account, we get our own YouTube, we get our own Facebook, et cetera. And for that, we publish whatever we want, no one can interfere. And that is the new Federal Digital Communication Act or system. Because you know what? The Postal Service is by the people for the people. That's on the software side sticks. On the hardware side, you know, the other threat we have is four or five major telcos, AT&T, Verizon, own the physical pipes 
of the internet, right? In the United States. And well, the domain registrars now have been acting up as well. And the domain registrars, um, and you think about payment gateways, you know, Alex Jones was thrown off everything, including his PayPal account was shut down. Well, the pay, you know, the postal service has great payment gateways. Okay. To do this, they can conduct e-commerce, but more importantly, a postal service physical, um, a location is in every major smallest town, right? Smallest town, biggest town. Well, you have these things, they used to be called WiMAX routers. They're better technology. You put a small router, it's an antenna and you can broadcast. It's called a mesh network. So we can create a mesh network and internet for the people, by the people. It's owned by you and me. No one can interfere in that. And then you have the software platform. That's what the postal service should be doing. Now, if you want to go use private Facebook, great. But that is what that is the only way out of this, because where we're headed to right now is a country of haves and have nots. The haves who will have private email servers like Hillary Clinton, private networks so they can communicate, by the way, like drug dealers do. And then you will have all of us, the peasants, which can be watched and controlled and observed and used by Google and Facebook. That's where. And if you saw that Google video, I don't know if you saw that of those morons aggregating in the Google headquarters crying after Trump won. I that, I was, mean, that was actually a very funny video to me. It was almost like a comedy skit. It was, yeah, with their propeller heads, the yeah. CFO crying, and these two guys, Sergey Brin and the other, I don't know what the other guy's name is. Um, you know, these guys aren't really that bright. It doesn't take a lot to build a search engine. It's basically some code and an index. They, they were just had the in with their Stanford University professors. But these guys think they own, you know, American culture and American politics, that they can control it. That's a very dangerous environment. Elizabeth I, I, think I, see, I think I see the wisdom of the idea of using the post office in that way, because uh, wouldn't that also, as an unintended benefit, uh, push sites like Facebook, maybe Google and stuff to actually back off the censorship to, to maintain their exactly. Yeah, the, the threat of intervention, I think, can be used to control some of their worst behaviors. Yeah. Well, the most important thing is the Postal Service was created to be really the operating system to enable the First Amendment. When, as new technologies came, the Postal Service thought of themselves stupidly as paper mail. This is like the guys who created the, the railway system. Airplanes came. They forgot they were in the transportation business. They're in the communications business. Free speech is in all different modes of communication. So look, I've thought about this problem a lot. It's the only way out. We have to re-engineer the postal service for the 21st century. Otherwise, we're all screwed, man. We're totally, everything we do is being watched and people can control elections. Uh, I mean, we try to do Google ads. You know, it took us eight weeks to just get our Google AdWords. I had to yell and scream and go to the highest <laughs> levels of Google. So we have a totally controlled society when you have a bunch of elitists at Google and Facebook owning the entire communications pipeline. And you have four telcos. It's, we live in a very dangerous time yeah. of communication. I, I, I always find it funny when some libertarian, very, very free market individuals and, and people that I would associate with maybe politically are like, they don't have a problem with it. I'm like, the, the same form of centralization is what you seek to avoid within government. If you're, you know, you believe in limited government, you believe in splitting it apart, having states, municipal power, local power, individual power. Uh, I find it very funny that they don't have a problem with what amounts to, at this point, basically a giant monopoly. 
Yeah, look, look, the problem with the libertarian model is this or is that people don't understand that nature is ultimately if you look at the true principles of nature, which I think we're part of, we're not something separate from that is it self-organizing principles. And so you give things freedom and then they organize into many different kinds of structures. There's not just one structure of organization. Um, it's a self-organizing system. So the most important thing is to give people the ability uh, to have the freedom to have as many choices as possible and they'll self-organize into different systems. The postal service in one, one way is this very quasi-centralized, decentralized government, non-government system. It's sort of one of these self-organizing systems, I would argue is optimized to really support free speech. And we have to use that instrument and we have to re-engineer that. And that's that's why, you know, I know how to engineer it. I have this, uh, you know, we've done the analysis of it, but that's what we need to uh, deploy really, really fast. And now uh, one last thing here, because I'm sure you've got like, meetings to go to, campaigning and so forth. Uh, one last thing here. Uh, what would be your sort of final pitch? Because there are less than, uh, I believe, less than three weeks now until the actual midterms. Just to give your final pitch to people to support you. I think the final pitch I would say is, you know, you think independently. Now act independent. I'll repeat that. You think independently. Now act independent. You know, the Trump election of 2016 was not about Republicans defeating Democrats. That's what they're trying to reframe that. That was about a guy who thought independently, said whatever the hell he wanted on the debate stage, attacked Republicans, Democrats, fake news, and got into power because he energized a whole bunch of people, the dark matter, who was feeling the same way. And to think this is Republicans versus Democrats, you know, is an illusion. The Trump victory is an opportunity for us to really declare our independence sticks. That's what it's really about. It doesn't say declaration of the two-party system. It says declaration of independence. And we need to go back to that. Otherwise, we're going to be screwed over by the Republican establishment after what you know Trump leaves or you know whatever happens there and the Democrat establishment. That's what we need. We have a huge historical opportunity. That's what the Massachusetts election is about for you to declare your independence get people in the Senate, in governance, is not a bunch of lawyer lobbyists who can manipulate truth, who think 0.001% Native American makes you Native American. That's what lawyers do. They manipulate truth. And the opportunities to get everyday working people like myself and others who actually have to solve problems for a living. And it's really up to you. So I would tell the people of Massachusetts, anyone watching this, that you have a historic opportunity to get people that really will represent you, solve problems, and raise a level of standards to what the founders you know, wanted this country to be about and truly make America great. Not these two scumbags out here. The two-party system, it's like a freaking old archaic system. It's time to dump it. It doesn't work. It's very, very parochial. It's racist. It's fascist. And then very independent. Sorry. And then, of course, for anyone who's watching right now, his official campaign link for VA Shiva is in the description along with his Twitter handle. Uh, Mr. Shiva, it was a pleasure talking to you as Thank, usual. Thanks, Dick. One, one last thing. People should go to shivaforsenate.com. Yes. If you want our road warrior magnets and you're in Massachusetts, just uh, email us at shiva at shiva for Senate. We'll get them over to you. If you're out of state, just give 10 bucks and we'll get them to you. But we want to get as many of those magnets, many of those lawn signs everywhere possible. That's how we win. Thanks, Dix. Thanks very much for, for, the, for the opportunity. It was nice to talk to you. Oh, Be did well. you, uh, one last thing, say, say peace out.
What's that? Say, say that's about all. Peace out. Peace out. <laughs> that's all. Peace out. Thank you.